We'll recap the Hornets weekend, the new look Hornets that saw Mark Williams get his first start. And we'll also recap Mitch Kupchak's comments on the deadline all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> it's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube. I'm Walker Mail. Check me out on WFNZ 92.7 FM from 12 to 3. And that's Doug Branson. Find his Substack every Hornets box score on everyhornetsboxscore.com. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn, by the way. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. All right. Weird season now. We're in we're in freaky season with the Charlotte Hornets. No Jalen <laughs> McDaniels. You don't have him anymore. You don't have Mason Plumley. You're seeing Mark Williams get his first start. Bryce McGowan's is back in the rotation. And Steve Clifford is telling you that they didn't even prepare for Nicole Jokic and Mitch Kupchak believes in Gordon Hayward's health next year. And man, we got a lot to decipher on this year podcast. Let's start and break it down with talking about the first round pick from this past NBA draft and his first start in the NBA against some monster teams in the association is what Mark just had to go through this weekend along with this Hornet squad. And Doug, I thought against Boston, pretty damn good start. Liked what I saw out there and the clip. And I think Richie Randall put this out there on Twitter, but it was the clip of Mark actually going out there on the perimeter and doing just a fantastic job defensively on Jason Tatum, who is going to be in the MVP mm -hmm. conversation. Not only that, but you got 12 rebounds for Mark in this game, played 31 minutes. So you got an extended look at him close to 60%, four of seven shooting, got a double, double to assist one block. What did you make of Mark Williams night? Yeah, I think he makes guys think out there, whether it's the player that he's going up against one-on-one, -on -one, the center position, and, you know, especially in that Denver game, he got yeah. he got a pretty great matchup in Jokic to go up against. And, and it's going to be different for Mark and Bryce McGowan, who we'll talk about in a moment. They're in different situations now. Uh, they're, they're going to be facing much different competition because their place in the rotation uh, has, you know, increased. So I thought they, they both look comfortable in that game against Boston. I think, you know, Mark Williams especially – I think he makes you think if you're the guard that, sh that that he's dropping down to drive against. I saw multiple opportunities for guards to take it all the way to the rim. They would have against Mason Plumlee. They are not doing that against Mark Williams. I think his issues uh, in the Boston game, it was about pick and roll defense and the decisions. You know, I was uh, watching the broadcast on ESPN and and Clifford was mic'd up and Clifford's telling him, "Hey, you got to get you got to get to the level of the screen." You know, on those situations where, where they're where they're not dropping back, where they are hedging, where they want to be more aggressive on the screen, you can see that like he's a little bit afraid. Like Mark's a little bit afraid to go all the way up and then try to recover back. And if you don't get all the way up, especially against a great shooting team like Boston, they're gonna take advantage. And boy did Boston take advantage. They hit about a thousand three point shots. Not all of those were on Mark Williams. But he, there are some things that are obvious that he's going to learn through this process about in terms of pick-and-roll defense, in terms of fouling. You know, he had huge foul issues against Denver. It kept him out yeah. for a large majority of the game because Jokic is a monster and MVP. But my big takeaway is that Mark belongs 
and I'm glad that he's starting, and I'm glad that he's developing a relationship. It's not it's not all the way there yet. It's probably not going to get all the way there yet, even this season, but it's starting to develop with a mellow ball who's looking for him in that pick-and-roll situation. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. LaMelo Ball in this game against Denver. So I was kind of focusing on the Boston game, but against Denver, you're right. Mark only played 21 minutes compared to the 31 that he played previously. So that mm-hmm. opened the door for Nick Richards to come in with no Mason Plumley on the roster. We did not see Kai Jones in this game. So no, he, Kai yeah, Jones, he was right? injured. They, they, he was a late scratch. Right. It was weird because they brought him up and then well, he had the said that he had a left yeah. ankle sprain. So I don't know if he sustained that like in practice or if they found it but anyway but but he had a great sweater on it was like a heart it looked like a playing card but it was like a heart above an ace just a really tight sweater game (laughs) well there you go and that's all you really can ask from kai jones right now um with the boot on um but yeah so so no kai right just in case anybody was looking at the box score catching up trying to see hey is there going to be any room for him he's injured right now we'll see if when he's ready to go that he's actually a big guy a part of that rotation too um, but yeah, you're right. Mark Williams against Nikola Jokic fouled and only played 21 minutes because of it, despite getting the start. You know, I thought there was some resistance for Nikola Jokic on some on some shots here, Doug. The first bucket that he scored, I, it was it was like Mark just his timing was all wrong. And Jokic is a master at getting your timing off from a defender, and I think it showcased it on that first bucket. Um, and there were a couple of times where he had the goaltending against Jokic too. And so again, that's kind of like a timing thing. Maybe I thought it was against Jokic. So, so yeah, there, there were a couple of things there, nothing. Oh my God. I didn't think Mark just got torched like Nick Richards did. Right. Like at least, you know, I just thought there was a difference. Clearly Mark was not stopping Nikola Jokic who is, but at the same time, Mark's not. Yeah, I just I thought we saw a big old gap between these two centers who played in Nick Richards and Mark Williams. Oh, yeah. And the gap was really I think the gap was first half, second half, because first half Mark Williams, and I thought especially in that first quarter was just amped up. He was, you know, the, you're right. The timing is not there. All the details aren't there, but he was harassing Jokic. He was not backing down. It was not the same Mark yeah. Williams that we saw in preseason getting shoved around constantly and looking reticent to do anything like he's grown up and he's grown up very quickly and he's gotten a lot better very quickly. And he was dueling with Jokic. He was, uh, he was influencing shots. He did get a block against Jokic in that first quarter, but he got into foul trouble and look, to, to Denver's credit, they understood where the matchup was for them. Jokic versus a couple of, you know, a rookie center and a, a center that hasn't gotten a lot of play time. And they spammed uh, Jokic. It was, Jokic had the ball in his hands a major, a vast majority of this game. And he only, you know, he didn't have a great shooting night, but he was passing. He was doing all of the Jokic things that makes him the MVP. Uh, but Mark in the second half, because he had gotten that foul trouble, you could see some of that aggressiveness fade away because he was afraid of getting that foul. And again, Rookie, he's going to learn from it. Nick Richards, on the other hand, was just getting back cut to death over and over and over again, especially in that fourth quarter. And after the game, Steve Clifford talks about how they didn't put enough in, they didn't install enough to deal with Jokic, to deal with that level of Jokic. And so I guess, and and, and you could see that. There were a lot of one-on-one opportunities for Nick Richards and, and for uh, Mark Williams and Jokic took advantage of that. But at the same time, I think it was a good experience for both guys. But yeah, Mark looked way better than, than Nick, for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, and and so we'll see. Um, I mean, I don't know how much time Nick Richards is going to get while Mark Williams is healthy, trying to go back to this Boston box score. Because against Denver, we saw Nick get more minutes. But against Boston, uh, Nick got 17 compared to Mark's 31. And so that's probably what you expect going forward. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's Steve Clifford does like Nick Richards. Like he's he's talked about that. At least he said that to us uh, that he even when Mason was on the team, he wanted to find some time to put Nick Richards in the game. And, and the last couple of opportunities for him had come on the second night of back to backs. And so, you know, Steve at least has been vocal about backing up Nick Richards. Yeah, and the problem for Nick Richards is that he's he's still going up. You can give an excuse to Mark that he's adjusting to playing you know, the first string offense that he's defending against that Nick is still playing the second string. Like Deandre Jordan dunked about a hundred times at the beginning of that. I just, can I, can I just have a second to read my fourth quarter notes that I have uh, just Man. the first five that I have from every If you want the full game rundown, go check it out. So 10, 16, Nick Richards, offensive foul, little questionable. I don't know if it was totally an offensive foul, but they called it nine 58. Nick Richards commits the goaltend. 9.37, Nick's co- Nick comes over to help Ish, jumps, uh, you know, g- g- bites on an Ish layup for some reason. I don't know. We'll never know. Takes himself way out of the play. Ish easily kicks it back out to DeAndre Jordan, who dunks at timeout Hornets. Eight minutes. I legitimately at eight minutes, go look, go look at the film. I have no idea what Nick Richards is doing and why he's doing it. He followed Ish to like double Ish to trap him. Again, we're talking about Ish Smith here. You know, Hornets legend, but you know, I don't know why he doubled him. Tries to recover back, goes for the steal. Jordan, wide open for a dunk. Another dunk. And if you look at Steve Clifford, and I put the clip that Hornets lead on Twitter put, Clifford like just like throws his arm in disgust. <laughs> it's like he's I'm telling you, I'm worried about Steve Clifford. I'm legitimately I'm worried about his health. <laughs> I'm worried be. about I'm worried that he's gonna that he's gonna rip a rotator cuff. Like I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I thought he was trying to throw himself out of the game, honestly. And then finally, 736, I wrote this. Nick Richards may secretly be hoping that DeAndre Jordan gets tired from all of the dunking. A rope a dunk, mm. if you will. I think he was trying a rope a dunk strategy. Let's let DeAndre Jordan dunk it so many times that he runs out of breath in the mile high and and then I can start to go to work. Like it was just crazy. It was crazy what I was watching at the beginning of that fourth quarter. After 24 points, he'll get tired, and then that's where I really come in and shine, baby. That's what Nick Richards was thinking. All right, let's get to uh, some of the quotes from Mitch Kupchak after his press availability. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Not only will we talk about Mitch's comments on the veteran free agents, but Michael Scotto has an interesting report out there on Miles Bridges. We'll get to that in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, the values, and the experiences to help you achieve your goals. You can identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. Again, LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on nba that's linkedin.com slash locked on nba to post your job for free terms and conditions apply more locked on hornets coming up next is locked on hornets but i have seen him go all the way up to number 10 that was is there a warning do we need to get out of here okay here's the thing my i don't know if you heard but my watch went off and i was trying to silence it and then I accidentally hit ping the phone, and then the phone pinged, and and now here we are. 
I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes it seems like you're. I'm actively fighting you today to move. To sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, we got to hear from Mitch Kupchak. And in the last episode, I apologize because at the time that we did the last episode, I believe that was Friday morning, I said that Mitch Kupchak was not going to speak because that was the report. And then the Hornets put out there, I believe an hour before he was set to speak. So I think 1045 is when he answered questions from media. And I think they put it out there like 930, 945, Mm -hmm. something like that. So eventually, as soon as we got done... That's when it was announced that he would speak. So, so anyway, yeah, but I think I think they here's my theory. They oh yeah, listen to our show. That's what I think. I, I think, think they so listen to our show and they said, all right, we got it. We got to say something. As soon as we posted it, they released that information. And uh, I think that's because <laughs> Michael Jordan listens to our show. And then he told everybody, listen, Mitch, you got to speak. I don't care if you're in Paris, which, by the way, he confirmed. I don't care oui, if oui. you're in Paris. You got to speak. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. I I wanted to get to one quote and then talk about Miles specifically because Mitch Kupchak said this, Doug. Mm -hmm. We hope to bring back some of our veteran free agents, if not all of them. Okay. So troubling comment there based off of different levels, however you want to think about it. Because if you're just talking about the veteran free agents they have, Kelly Oubre, Dennis Smith Jr., Nick Richards, P.J. Washington, But the one I want to focus on right now is Miles Bridges, too. Now, he did answer a question about Miles Bridges, and he said, look, I can't talk about it. Miles pleaded, this is quote, Miles pleaded in October, the NBA is conducting an investigation. When the investigation ends, we will have more information and go from there. Well, we got a report from Michael Scotto over the weekend, and Scotto put out there that the Hornets are prioritizing retaining Miles Bridges. That's the quote. Mm -hmm. So a lot to unpack. If we focus on Miles for the moment here, Doug, what do you make of Mitch Kupchak's comments as it pertains to possibly Miles Bridges and then Scotto's report on Miles as well? Well, I'm just not surprised. You and I have been talking about this for, I think, ever since we started our trade deadline coverage that behind, we we have to really contextualize whatever they were going to do or not going to do uh, with the, the, the thing that we can't talk about, that they won't talk about, that nobody's talking about, and that's Miles Bridges being a restricted free agent and the investigation that's ongoing. And I, I do. I would not be surprised if they do uh, re- retain him in some way unless, unless the NBA were to come out and say, we've done our investigation and we never want Miles Bridges to step on the court again. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a universe where – the NBA says this is so serious and we're going to slap a two or three year ban. And then the Hornets go, well, that's not worth, you know, exploring. But if it's some punishment that we, that you and I have discussed some length of punishment relative to what we've seen in the past, uh, then I think the Hornets as an organization are going to see this. However gross you feel this is, or it may, you, I think there's a lot of people out there that don't think this is gross at all, but they there think they found a little bit of a glitch in the matrix where they can retain a a quality player for less than they were going to have to spend before all of this happened. Plus, they get to be bad enough to compete, quote, compete for one of the (laughs) for one of the top spots in the draft. And all of a sudden, 
uh, that the the team's outlook looks a lot better than it did uh, even before all all of this stuff happened with Miles Bridges. So I think they're seeing this as an opportunity and they're going to pursue it as such. Yeah. So the Hornets have played 58 games already this season. You do not have that much left here. You're going to get the all star break, which is now, you know, really two thirds of the way through any NBA year anymore. And after that, it's, you know, a home stretch for Tankathon and Tank City between Charlotte, Houston, San Antonio, and Detroit. Um, I don't expect an investigation. I don't expect it to be completed anytime. I mean, maybe, I don't know, right? I don't know when it's going to be completed. But I, I know that Miles Bridges is certainly not coming back this year. That's not news to anybody. Now the question right. is, how much of next year does he miss? And right. Is this thing going to be punished enough to the point where he actually misses some part of the season after that? And so as we're talking about, you mentioned finding a glitch in the system, which is it's gross, right? I Look, we might be saying it a lot. It's important for that caveat to be here. We understand how gross it is, but this is how possibly these teams might operate. It's the fact that because he was arrested for felony domestic violence, that Miles Bridges will you know, now not get close to $30 million annually, which is what he was set to get. And depending on how much time he misses, that is what is going to decrease his value here too, because the Charlotte Hornets are not the only gross organization that are looking to capitalize off this, right? It would be the Lakers looking to try to give LeBron a championship and say, Hey, let's get another talented player. Let's see if you can hold on for when miles bridges investigation is completed. And his, so is his suspension. And there are going to be other teams. So the point being, if there are other teams interested in Miles, that might drive the price up as well. And if that is the case, then how much money are you saving? It's yeah. a lot, but maybe it's not as much as you thought in the first place because, after all, teams are going to be coming in because they want to take part in the bargain, quote-unquote, that they'll feel the Miles Bridges situation is. Yeah, and I think I think we need to get some clarity on when the 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 R the restricted part of the free agency drops and it becomes an unrestricted free agent situation. But I have I haven't seen anyone talking about this as if the Hornets aren't going to be in the driver's seat in these discussions, as if they won't have an opportunity to match another team. And, and this organiz everything that you hear from Mitch Kupchak specifically indicates that they are looking for these types of advantages that they have over the teams that you just mentioned because they don't feel like free agency is an advantage for them. And so they're not going to be active. They don't feel like the trade deadline is an advantage for them. In fact, I have to read this quote verbatim because it's just it's just too juicy. This is from Mitch Kupchak's availability. I wrote uh, four quotes from Mitch Kupchak's post-trade deadline availability that took some amount of time off my life. If you want to read that uh, for free, you can go to everyhornetsboxscore.com. But the final one was really took the cake. And he said... The trade deadline is something you don't spend a lot of time on, and then an hour before the deadline, you have to make decisions and decide what you want to do. <laughs> Doug, I, I made just... the comparison. I, I, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I made the comparison that the NBA and the Charlotte Hornets are the kids in high school that don't study for the test until way late, and then eventually they get a C. I, and I and I joked about that, but it's true. The the, the Hornets, based off of that quote. They didn't study, and then they're like, oh, okay, well, let's just do this, and they pretty much got a C, C minus, however you feel they got. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you contrast that with the Phoenix Suns, who managed uh, – they've been working for for several seasons 
to get Kevin Durant. And now it looks like they're probably going to get Kyrie. Like this is all stuff that they've been working on for a long time behind the scenes. That's right. In a real like under, I mean, all this stuff, you know, is not, is not above board and everybody knows it. And there was one criticism of Mitch coming out of LA is that he liked to do everything above board and wasn't participating in any of these shenanigans that everyone else was participating in. But you get quotes like this and you go, okay, so they're not taking the trade deadline very seriously. That's obvious. They're not taking free agency very seriously. That's obvious because they keep telling us that. Um, and so where do they look for advantages? And obviously they're looking for advantages of players that that they're in the driver's seat to sign, that they can develop in their system and sell them on staying in Charlotte. And and that's what they're going to do. And, and I don't think that's that's a very smart strategy, but that's the strategy. Look, Walker, one day you and I are going to be doing this show as, as old men uh, sitting in rocking chairs. I don't think that MJ is going to own this team forever. I don't think Mitch Kupchak – certainly don't think Mitch Kupchak is going to be GM forever. And I think you and I are going to be doing this yeah. show one day and smiling because there are people that have their hands on the wheel that, one, want to spend the money aggressively enough to actually go out and compete, and two, uh, don't sacrifice – two very important areas of player of, of roster building that every other team in the NBA takes advantage of, regardless of small, medium, or large size market, that's free agency and trading. That, that the Hornets have abandoned those two areas, I think is, I use this word a lot, I think it's malpractice. It is total malpractice. It is franchise building malpractice. And, and it's a shame. And I don't know what to tell people who have season tickets who want to go to these games and have hope. I don't know what to tell you other than, hold on. Victor, fun. Victor might that, come. Tell you Hold that. on. Pray yeah. to the pray to the lottery gods. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> I do it every night before I go to sleep to see Wimby <laughs> in a Charlotte Hornet uniform. I don't know about you, but I know I certainly do. Let's talk a little bit more about Mitch Kupchak's press co- uh, press conference comments coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I want to dive a little bit more into that free agent conversation that we were having with Mitch Kupchak's comments, what he had to say about Gordon Hayward. And he did tell us he was in Paris. What does that mean? We'll get to that in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you are a new member of FanDuel and you sign up today. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Again, the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's excellent with our new partner in FanDuel. All you have to do is just down, uh, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. One more segment to go. Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. This amazing photo of Mitch Kupchak standing next to Steve Clifford in, in what looks like a, 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 I think if you if you typed into one of those AI image generators, shotgun wedding, uh, this is the picture that would come <laughs> up because Steve Clifford looks yeah, absolutely so good. shocked. If there's not a background underrated part of this it's just a blank white screen so you're not having any hornets graphics you don't even have the courtesy to bring in blank white faces faces. (laughs) (laughs) it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast 
I'm sorry, Doug. I'm a little low energy today. Plus, it's like the Hornets are doom and gloom right now. That's the feeling. Can you please start off this last segment with something positive? Feed me something positive, please. Well, I, I can't. I will tell you where to go if you want something positive, okay. and that's go to the Denver Nuggets box score on NBA.com, where you can like click on the different elements to look at video, and just go check out uh, the assists for Lamelo Ball in this game. You know, Thank it was a tough shooting night against the Nuggets for LaMelo and Terry. A lot of the offense was coming from P.J. And Gordon Hayward had a surprisingly aggressive and really awesome first half. Completely disappeared in the second half, whatever. But uh, but go look at his assist. He was throwing some physics-breaking passes in this game. And then I want you, after that, to go find uh, – this would have been a foul uh, situation. I believe it was DeAndre Jordan fouling P.J. Washington – but LaMelo had a – he turned around and threw it behind his head, really not even looking at where P.J. was, and and zipped it right into P.J. on target. It's – you know, I, I will go to YouTube sometimes and pull up, like, Larry Bird passing you know, or, or, or KG. Like, KG was an amazing passer, especially, okay, like, wow. early on. And they would throw these passes that I'd be like, wow, these are – how do they – what? Huh? That was what hmm. this pass was, and it was, it's a shame that it happens in a Nuggets game where they had just zero shot of winning. <laughs> but if you want to feel better about the Hornets situation long term, go look at those assists because Lamelo was dealing. That that's what helps you. Well, and offensively, they got off to a great start. They were hitting a ton of shots. Lamelo was yeah. helping out that three that he hit early, where he's just kind of dribbling around. Lottie da. All right, I'll just go ahead and pull this up from the corner. You know, splash yeah. zone. That was fantastic. Splash. And Gordon Hayward, you're right. It was a good first half for him. Let's speak a little bit more about Gordon. Because, Doug, this is one comment mm -hmm. that I wasn't exactly thrilled to hear from Mitch Kupchak. <laughs> and it was about the trade of Jalen McDaniels. And okay. I promise I'm putting this to the side, right? It has nothing to do with, I think, them not liking the trade for, for Jalen, right? It's not the worst thing that they've ever done. It contributes to what I think is a track record of bad business decision that this one's team has made, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, in a vacuum, it's not the worst thing in the world. I'm just tired of seeing all of those things stack up. With Gordon Hayward, this is a comment that leaves me a little scared in the fact that he says Gordon Hayward, we're hoping is not going to be as injured as he was this year. And he'll be out there on the floor and that won't allow Jalen McDaniels to start a 15 or, you know, 20 game sample size that he gave you this season. Okay. Again, separating the Jalen McDaniels part, huh? Gordon Hayward. <laughs> what you think? Yeah. He's not, you think you think he's going to be healthy next year? why uh, I it's baffling Doug like how am I supposed to defend that because Gordon Hayward was injured often before he signed with Charlotte and I know it was the big injury that he had where his ankle does a 180 degree turn that's the gross one right I get it but he had some kind of injury history since he's been in Charlotte he has had an injury history here in just this tenure and then you're expecting or you're hoping right that next year Gordon Hayward is not as injured. Here's the problem. Let's say he's not. We have to also understand this dude is getting worse every second of his basketball life. That's where he is in his career right now. Every single second. Because this is someone that is, what, 33 now? And he, he certainly will be at the beginning of next season already with a damaged body. And, Doug, the, I think he's a helpful basketball player. I think he's helpful. 
he is not the same type of impact player that he was even last year when he was on the court. I mean, right? Like he wasn't last year. It was pretty clear. Okay. Yeah. Gordon is still very, very good this year. I think he's probably just good when he's on the court and, and not nearly as impactful, but man, I know I'm with you. I'm with you. I look, I'll give you just, I'm pulling team. up the numbers. Yeah. I'm pulling up the numbers. Right. So like, his usage percentage on the air, these are all cleaning the glass numbers that, you know, you know the deal. It takes away garbage time minutes and all that good yep. stuff. So usage percentage, pretty much the same. Now, they they classified him as a wing last season, and they're classifying him as a forward. So it might have an impact on some of the ways uh, that you look at these uh, percentiles. Uh, so Because these, these percentiles are based on what they classify him as. But among forwards in the NBA this season, his points per shot attempt – 107.5, that's 28th percentile, versus last season. And really, even if you look at the first season when he was classified as a forward, it was above average, his points per shot attempt. Uh, and so his points per shot attempt has gone way down. His three-point shooting has gone down. You know, his assist percentage is, is where it was. You know, he's still a connector. He still moves the basketball well. I'm sure he's still helpful. He still has some impact on the defensive end versus, you know, an average uh, an yeah. average forward, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Mitch Kupchak's faith in Gordon Hayward's health status is like biblical level. It's Job level. <laughs> like the sheep are all dead. The house is burnt down. <laughs> like, I, like, but, but still I, I have faith, you know, or, or Kupchak has faith in Gordon Hayward that it's all going to turn out well. And I agree, even if it does, I guess you're left with a contract that you can move. But I don't think he, even if he stayed healthy until the trade deadline this coming season, yeah, you're right. Like another organization is going to take a look at it and going, what Gordon Hayward are we going to get? We don't know. Uh, yeah. It's a crap his, his points per game, his points per game has gone down every single year. His field goal percentage has gone down every single year he's been with Charlotte. The three point percentage, it's gone down every single year. The amount of games are the same 44 in 2020, 49 games played in 2021, 2022. 32 games having already played that many so far and you have like 20 I mean it's going to be crazy he might actually play more than he ever has this year if he can just stay healthy long enough but what I just don't I just don't and get you're it. not um, that, you're not getting any intangibles either right I mean would this be a different story if we're talking about Gordon Hayward locker room leader Gordon Hayward yeah. keeping the team together Gordon Hayward mentor to whatever yeah i mean i think this would be totally different but we're not talking gordon hayward is a is a is a contract for hire kind of guy he comes into your organization he's gonna you know give you everything he's got but that's it like he's not gonna he's not gonna stay after he's not gonna do all these like sort of intangible things and i think that matters if you're looking to compete in the playoffs at some point i'm looking at these on off numbers too the hornets are two points worse offensively this season with him on the floor versus off defensively he does he does have an impact like it's there's almost seven points better defensively when he's on yeah. the floor. Uh, but is is that enough to the jettison a young player like Jalen McDaniels, who you may or may not have been able to retain? I think that's a big question, Mark. I think a lot of people look at this and go, the Hornets gave up on Jalen McDaniels because they felt like, hey, we're going to resign Miles. There's We're going to keep Gordon. Gordon's going to be healthy. We're not going to have enough minutes for Jalen. I think a lot of other people go, wait a minute. Did you just not want to spend enough to retain Jalen? Or do you really think that Jalen was going to want a bigger role somewhere else and was going to move on? Because he was an unrestricted free agent. It's not the same situation as Miles where, where they have the restricted you know, element of it. So t tough call. 
I haven't seen enough from Jalen this year where I'm like, wow, impact player must keep. So, so I was, you know, I would, I'm surprised that they could only get one second round pick for him. That's, that's what surprises me most when, when teams were seemingly willing to really deal multiple second round picks for players in of his same ilk. Yeah. And, and so even independent of that, again, it's the Gordon faith, as you mentioned, but you're right. Like I understand why people would be frustrated. I myself am a little frustrated with it. And so just to look at a couple of these other veteran free agents that he's talking about here, Doug, DSJ, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens with him, right? I mean, he I did hit I a three. At, he hit a three. He, he hit a three. It happened. He did it. Oh, man. It's, it's happening beautiful. at a more frequent pace, which is once. Um, PJ, uh, Nick, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about PJ. You know, we'll see. Mitch Kupchak did say that the McDaniels trade did have something to do with their ability to bring back PJ Washington. So that's going to be a priority this season, Mitch, this offseason. Mitch Kupchak has talked about that. I, I think that's where he's steering us. Um, but, but Kelly Uber is the one I want to talk about here because Kelly also is on a, an expiring contract. And so if, if Mitch Kupchak says the hope is to possibly bring back every one of their veteran free agents, man, you want to talk about some cleaning the glass off on numbers on off numbers, I should say like defensively, Doug, you know, this is what Kelly's whole career has been. They're not good when, when he's on the court for the Charlotte Hornets, they are, they are worse uh, um, defensively. When he's off the floor, they're better. You know, same thing as far as allowing effective field goal percentage. I know he was, you know, deflecting passes, but at the same time, it's not like I've ever watched Kelly. I mean, he he was last year one of the the worst defenders in all of the NBA, and the assist the the assist percentage for Kelly is actually like hilarious. It's actually comedic. Uh, I, I usually see a one or a 99 to indicate the lowest or the highest percentile for Kelly. I mean, he's got some zeros in there for assist percentage in his career. Um, mm-hmm. Like the dude. That's yeah, what he pass. is. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's not, yeah, that's yeah, not a like, shock to anyone who's him. watched him for any period of time. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. pass. But that, but teams don't typically ask him to pass. That's not really what... I mean, sure, no. you'd like it every once in a while. You like him to make good decisions, especially in transition. No, you're right. That's where I'm most frustrated right. with him in terms of pass. It's not like I, it's, when he gets the ball in the half court, if he's open, I want him to shoot it. But in transition, sometimes he gets a little too sort of blinders on, doesn't make the right pass, doesn't make the right play. But that's to me, like, that's not enough of a knock on him as a player. Uh, to, well, to but, you know, but as yes. long as he's shooting well, that's the thing. But but he's not that. But but yeah, that, well, that's yeah, it, that's right? Like he's he's <laughs> you know in the twentieth percentile. But do you really believe? Do you really believe Mitch Kupchak when he says that? Like I don't know that I like. I think that's a signal that they're going to retain a number of players on this roster. But I don't really believe him when he says they're going to go after every single but free honestly, agent. That they have. Honestly. Honestly, Doug, yes, I do believe him. And, and you know why? Because Mitch doesn't lie at these things. He's quite bad at it. Like, this is Mitch doesn't lie about this sort of stuff. He tells you what he's thinking. I mean, well, I'm not I mean, accusing him told- of being a liar. I'm not accusing him oh. of being a liar. I'm, a, I'm just saying, oh, I, like, sometimes yeah. you go out. Look, I do this all the time. Sometimes I come on this show, I say all kinds of things. Sometimes you just get on a roll and you just start saying stuff, you know? <laughs> and, and so I think when he, then he goes back and things change, right? Like the draft is going to be a big deal. If they get the first pick, or I mean, really, if they get the second pick, because then you add Scoot in there, uh, another, another sort of wing player. If they get Victor, that's a little bit of a different story. But, you know, things are going to change. Uh, this is a fluid situation. And, and I, I really, I still sit here, even after Mitch sa- said that, I still sit here and think that Kelly Oubre is not going to be a Charlotte Hornet next season. 
Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, but, but I do believe him. Um, the last thing I, I am glad about this, you know, Mitch Kupchak was out scouting and, uh, I think it was Scott Fowler who asked Mitch, can you confirm whether you're scouting Victor Wembanyama or not? And Mitch said, no, I cannot confirm that. But uh, I will tell you that I'm in Paris right now, and I am uh, sitting in my hotel room here. And so like, he was he was trying to confirm that he was watching Victor Wibanyama. I need so I need someone to explain to me why right. he can't confirm that. Is it a rule? It can't be tampering. There's no. T- I, I completely and, agree. Yeah. And and Victor, it's a different situation. Like I guess you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to let another team know if you were like interested in somebody who was projected around the sixth Mark or seventh Williams, pick, you know, you right, don't want to, yeah. you don't want to tip your hand there when we get closer to draft time, but everybody knows that Victor's going number one. So I don't, right. I don't, I oh, don't really like scoot. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this scoot guy for number one overall. Yeah. I mean, I guess, and also, you know, the magic held on to their cards with this past number one overall pick it's teams are still, but that was that a different situation. Of, it was up oh, in no, the air. Was. There was not a consensus. Number one pick. Oh, oh no, you're right. My my point being, even so, Orlando gets to do whatever they want. It's not like anybody can trade up uh, above them, right? That's my point. But also, yes, right. totally. This is this is a different situation with Victor. And the other thing is, uh, my my next question, just real quickly, do we have to scout him? I I guess you have to go meet him. You 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 definitely have to scout him. Yeah, a lot of this sure. is joking. You got to go say what's up to him, and I completely understand that. But it is funny, like how, how much do you need to scout? The generational top. Are you are you going to go draft day on me with Kevin Costner and ask why the number one overall quarterback didn't have anybody come to his birthday? <laughs> why didn't anybody go to his birthday party? What's going on here? And then you just take the running back fifth overall. I mean, what's 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 going on? No, I think it is. I think you're right. I think it's less about looking at his game and more about relationship building because you don't want to be in a situation where you get the number one overall pick and then a guy says, well. I don't want to. I don't have any relationship with that team. I don't want to play for that team. And then you get a whole another. That would be, right. that would be a disaster, a debacle of epic proportions. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, I'm not going to put anything past his franchise at this point. But it's good. It's good that he's out there. Uh, it's good that he's scouting because really, it's clear the draft is all we have. That that's mm-hmm. that's where the hope lies. So I'm glad that he's out there. You know, getting his hands dirty. And he he looked good. croissants. We- Wimby, Wimby looked good, man. No, because he, he looks good every game, but he looked good this this most recent time out. I don't know if you saw the highlights, but they were excellent. I really want him to be in a Hornets uniform. All right. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen today. Make your second listen, game to game NBA, every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 